So we are in a series called Hive Mind. And in our city groups, we've been walking through some of these connections that when we have a creator, a God, an intelligent designer who has set the world in motion, that we see glimpses and insights into ourselves and some of the other things that God's created. One of those things is bees. And it's amazing the parallels that bees have to humanity and the way that God has created his people to work. And so we've been digging into that. But each week we've been covering an essential part of what it means to have unity in the body of Christ. Because what we come to first is, is this thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16. It'll be on the screen for you. Here, here's what he says. For who has known the mind of the Lord so that he may instruct him? And I've been saying every week, we're good with that part. Like, I get that. Like, yes, he's God. I am definitely not. And we're all better off for it. We say that all the time here. And, and we get that. But it's that next statement that we've been wrestling with and we've been trying to unpack. Because here's what the Apostle Paul said. But we, the church, have the mind of Christ. What an incredible statement. Just just think about that for a second. That Wednesday, when you fly off the handle, because somebody cut you off in traffic, maybe that's just me, but when that happens... You in that moment, in the power of the Holy Spirit, can choose to have the mind of Christ. When when things go south for you in the business world, in that moment, you can choose the mind of Christ. When your kids don't measure up to what you thought they were going to measure up to, You can choose the mind of Christ. And we could just keep going. We keep going. But it's it's this feeling, who knows the mind of the Lord, that Paul reminds us that we can, that we've been given the mind of Christ. And, and, And the big idea that the mind of Christ does for us is that it brings us into unity, that it brings us Together would be a less churchy way to say that. That when you and I function in the mind of Christ, we are able to do things that the rest of the world is not able to do. So so in other words, the body of Christ, the church, should be on the forefront of saying, you and I are different, but we can live for each other and with each other Because we have the mind of Christ. We we look around our world and we see so many massive issues. And we try to talk about those here. But we we look at things like politics and we look at things like racism and we look at things like uh, abortion and adoption issues and just, we at minimum, wherever you fall politically, you can look at that with me and we can say, stuff is broken. There are things that are broken in this world. We can look down the corridor of history and say, there's been things that have been broken for all of time. You, you can look at your own life and say, I've got a family member dealing with that, or I've lost that family member, or I've done this, or I've reaped the, the consequences of my choices. And we can look in here and say, 
there is a lot of broken things and a lot of darkness in this world. And, and it's one of the things that brings us to the same playing field. Our sin and death, those things brought together make you and I a lot more similar than we might think. But when we function in true unity by choosing the mind of Christ, all of that conflict can actually unite us and not divide us. But it only happens when we're functioning within the mind of Christ. And so that's what I want to look at with you this morning is just to unpack a couple of things in your notes there if you got them on your way in or you can get on the YouVersion Bible app and go under events and you'll find it. But th- there's three things really that I want you to see from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 17. And then we're going to talk about three things that are choices we make. And, and listen, I get it. I uh, have studied theology for a long time. And I get that what, whatever God is sovereign over and whatever we have choice in, I get it. Okay, but, but here's the reality. In your life tomorrow, you will make choices. You will make choices to have the mind of Christ or to give in to temptation or to give in to the lies or to give in to whatever it is that Satan bombards you with. We have choices in that. What is vertical in heaven is settled. If you are in Christ, you are forever his, fixed forever, eternal, No man can take you out of the Father's hand, Jesus says. Not even you, Paul says in Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of of God in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense to somebody? If you could lose your salvation, you would. Make sense? So you can't. But what all of us know is that on the vertical, on the horizontal of life, my decisions, your decisions affect not only me, but the people around me. And so that's what we're looking at this morning in that horizontal playing field when things with God have been settled and I start to look at the people around me and I start to look in my own heart and my own thoughts and my own mind how how is it that I can actively choose the mind of Christ so here's what here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 and following therefore I say this and testify in the Lord so this is the apostle Paul talking to a church that he planted, that he loves, that he's pastored, that he cares about, and he's written a letter to them. A lot of times we we see those chapter and verse numbers and we kind of chop it up in our head. But this is a letter that Paul wrote to people that he loved, people that he knew, people that he cared for. So as I read it to you, think of it that way. We're, We're reading this as the body of Christ. And here's what he says. I say this and testify in the Lord You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. And here's this. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their heart. Can I just translate that for you? When you look around this culture, there is ignorance and hardness of heart to the things of god can you by nod of head see that in the world around you yeah if you thought the bible wasn't relevant you need to reread it okay it is 
We're in the same issues today. They became callous, verse 19, and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Not only are they sinning, but they like it and they want more of it. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth in Jesus. You want to know why we call ourselves a good news church? Because it's all about Jesus. If it deviates from Jesus, we need to bring it back to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Assuming you heard about Jesus, Paul says. We talk about Jesus. Verse 22, to take off your former way of life, the old self, that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the mind of Christ. Verse 24, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, here's this, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. That's what we'll stop reading for today, but a lot of you have heard those, that last verse those last couple of verses, and maybe use them out of context, amen? <laughs> you don't have to admit that. But we do. We, we think about that verse. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Oh, I got I to gotta take care of that. Well, well yes, but, but why? Because all of who we were can be put aside. And we can put on this new self, this new mind of Christ that we've been given freely. And it changes the way we interact with the body of Christ. I mean, I don't know how many relationships you have where that is the description. But church, can I just say that we need to work towards that? That is the reality for those of us in Christ. That we would put away lying, speak the truth to each other. Why? Because we're members of one another. When we become, we talk about this, this church phrase, the body of Christ. Well, what the scripture teaches us is that when you are adopted into the family of God, when God makes you his own, calls you to himself, saves you, rescues you, tracks you down, and gloriously saves you, you become a part of the body of Christ. Scripture uses a few metaphors to help us wrap our head around how we function as the church. And one of them is the body. One of us is a mouth. The other one's an ear. One of them's a kneecap. One of them's a toe. But I don't know, can I get an amen? If you've lost any of those in your lifetime, you know how important those things were, even if they don't seem like it right now. Like, is this piece of skin right here important? Well, cut it off and you'll know that it was, right? It's like, I never think about my skin right here, but I would if it was gone, amen? And so no matter where you fall in your gifts, your talents, or your abilities, whether it's setting up a parking sign in the blazing and blistering Florida sun, that's valuable to the rest of us that are in here in the air conditioning. 
It is. Or whether you stand up here like I do, I have a lot to do with casting vision here, but it's all of you that do church. I get to stand up here and unfold God's word with you, and I love it. But a lot of you would rather die than stand in front of people. Statistically, nine out of ten of you would rather die than stand right here and do what I'm doing. So we all have this place, and, and the Bible says that we can function together. Because how many of you know that as soon as a church gets like one day old, whether it's a church plant or it's been around forever, we, we can find things to complain about. Can we not? Well, I don't like the way they did that. Well, I don't like the way, well we don't like the way you did it either. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> but but do, you, do you see that? You, you've, all, you've all seen that. Maybe you feel some of that right now. But what the church is capable of is using that conflict to unite us and not divide us. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. But how does it work? Let me give you three things. Number one in your notes, the mind of Christ calls us to put off our old self. The mind of Christ calls us to put off Our old self. Can I say it to you this way? I think this will help. This is the next blanks in your notes there. What we think will fulfill us will actually kill us. I like to make things rhyme. That felt really good. You should amen that. (laughs) Is that not life though? Uh, We talked two weeks ago about Paul. When we look at the great apostle Paul. And he says, I don't do the things I want to do. I do do the things I don't want to do. Who's going to deliver me from this wretched body of death? Like, Paul, because you get any more negative in church today. (laughs) But he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Listen, our experience is that there's a lot of things out there that we think are going to fulfill us. That Satan offers to you and Satan offers to me and that we think are going to be right. More money, more this, more that, more stuff that's going to fill me up. Maybe it's our kids, maybe it's our boss, maybe it's our job. I don't know what it is for you, but we all have that vice, that thing that Satan is using to drag you away from Christ. And what you think is going to fulfill you, you know actually kills you. Because every time you give in to that temptation, one more time, you come out on the other end and you feel terrible about it and you say, I'm never going to do that again. But what do we end up doing? We end up thinking, just this one more time, it's going to fill me up. But it's slowly killing you. It's slowly killing you. The mind of Christ calls us to put off that old self, to call it what it is, to call sin, sin, to confess sin, to do what's necessary to name that sin. And for a lot of us, maybe for you today, that's the hardest part. Naming that and dealing with that. We're called to put off that old self, because in reality, what we think is going to fill us up ends up killing us. Sin is not in your life to just be a nuisance. The Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
So there, there's no reason for you to play nice with Satan because he's not playing nice with you. Satan is not for you. Jesus is for you. The pain that Satan will bring will kill you. The pain that Jesus will bring will save you. Does that make sense? We have to put off the old self. And it's not because you have any special powers to do it. It's what Paul said. Who's going to deliver me from this wretched body of death? That's, that's life. But what he says is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. How do you put off that old self? You get up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you quote the Bible to yourself. That's how you defeat it. What did Jesus do when he was starving in the wilderness? If you're new to church, you're new to the Bible, there's a story where Jesus was walking on earth and he goes out into the desert to spend time with God and fast and pray. And who shows up? Satan shows up. And he starts to tempt God Almighty. What an idiot. He starts to tempt God Almighty with his word. His, with Jesus' word. He said, if you're God, man, you got all this stuff that is, man, it's in your, it's in your realm of possibility. Look at, look at all that you can do. And he begins to tempt him. And you know what Jesus answers him with? The Bible. The word. And so what you and I have to do is not look inside and say, I'm never going to do that again. What we need to do is look inside and say, I probably will do that again. And I'm going to need the power of something else outside of me to help me never do that again. You see the mindset difference? One is the mind of Christ. One is the mind of death. One is going to inevitably kill me. The other is going to save me. Because one's about me and the other's about Jesus. How do I do that? Number two, the mind of Christ calls us to put on a new self. A new self. The mind of Christ calls us to put on a new self. Let me say it to you this way. The next blanks. Our attitude needs to shift from one that feels right to one that is right. <laughs> Am I speaking anybody's language this morning? Shifting from our feelings to the facts. It's not easy to do because our feelings are attached to things that happened to us or on us or for us. But if we can get outside of that and look at what is God saying, what is God saying? See, the devil's looking for those opportunities to devour you and he's going to pick the one that hurts the most. He's going to pick the one that is the easiest for you to fall into. And he's going to go after it over and over and over and over again. And you can expect it every day, on the hour, every hour. Our attitude has to shift from one that feels right to one that is right. Look at verse 23 and 24 again. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What's that tell you? That it's not just an overnight shift. It's a renewal of your mind. To be more like Christ. Paul says it to the Colossian church this way in Colossians 3 two. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. Some of us, we just need to get rid of something, not because it's bad, because it's bad for us. Whether it's, I'm just going to pick on it. All right, I'm a millennial. I'm going to pick on it, whether it be our phone or our computer or our TV 
or our cars or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I love my gadgets a lot. But if they are a device for Satan, we've got to do something about it. We set our affection. We have a choice, Paul says, to set our affection. Shifting from feel right to is right. And then finally, number three, having the mind of Christ calls us to healthy conflict. This is the part that's really uncomfortable, right? Because for me to do those things is going to bring on conflict. For some of us, it's called marriage. (laughs) Whereas God's given us a blessing in disguise of someone who can see every fault that you have (laughs) and tell you all the time. Amen? Some of you are like, not really. <laughs> but, but, but listen to this. Listen to what the mind of Christ does. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 25 to 27. Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. So every time you're angry with somebody... The idea is not for you to stop being angry. The idea is for you to channel that angry anger properly. Because the Bible says that God gets angry. God hates sin. God hates injustice. And if he didn't get angry about some of that stuff, we would have no hope to be set free from some of that stuff. Don't let the sun go down your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Maybe if we can shift our thinking towards healthy conflict to where we just know speaking the truth to each other is going to lead to Satan not being a part of our relationship, to where God's being a part of our relationship, maybe we'll see less conflict. Maybe we'll see God do the things that he promised when we resist the devil. Because what's the Bible say? If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But we have to move towards healthy conflict. So let me just let me give you uh, three things there. First, with God, some of you need to communicate with God. You need to talk with God. You know, being angry with God and never talking with God don't co- to coincide. You need to talk to God in prayer, and you need to listen to God in His Word. And if you're not doing that, you can't expect to hear from him. He's still speaking. The question is, are you listening? That's the question. So first with God, that's one of your blanks. The next one, then with myself. Some of us have to be honest with myself, with ourselves. We got to look in the mirror and say, maybe I'm not all that. Maybe I don't have everything figured out. Maybe everyone else isn't wrong. Maybe I'm wrong some of the time. Well, that's hard to do. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) Speaking the truth to your neighbor sometimes means looking at yourself in the mirror. Speaking the truth. And then finally, with others. With others. We have to get better at speaking the truth with the other people around us. Not just in our marriages, but in our friendships. You know, the Bible talks about there being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. What's that talking about? Somebody who can look you in the eye and push you towards Jesus. Not just towards what you feel is right. 
Somebody that can just look you in the eye and push you towards Christ's likeness. What a gift. I'm going to close with this and then we're going to take communion. But uh, there, there's this little acrostic and I put it in your notes for you and I want you to fill it in because I was taught this in Sunday school. Anybody go to Sunday school? You know what I'm talking about? Sunday school? Amen. If we had the building space, we, no, I'm just, I don't know. We might not go to Sunday school, but I really like city groups. But Sunday school, if you, if you know, you know, Sunday school. And my, my teacher, Mrs. Feldman, still remember her to this day. She taught me this little acrostic for joy. We all want joy, right? We all want joy. And the Bible's prescription is really easy. Jesus, others, you. And, you know, sometimes it's the most simple things are the most profound. That, that if we can get life in that order, where Jesus is first and others are second, and we can think about ourselves third, we will begin to experience the joy of having the mind of Christ. Amen? So I want to I wanna close our service a little bit different. The band's going to come up, and they are going to lead us in a song. But as they do, I'm also going to ask that the ushers would come up, and they're going to pass out the elements of communion. Now, normally, I would lead you through each step of that um, together, but there's also a place for us to take communion together without talking. <laughs> and so what I want you to do this morning is, if you are a follower of Jesus, I, I do want you to know that if you're not a follower of Jesus, then communion should, should not be for you. Not because we are being exclusive. You guys can go ahead and pass. Not because we're being exclusive, but because we take this really serious. We believe that God meets with us in this time of communion that the presence of God is in this place and in these elements that we are communing communion we're communing with the Holy Spirit and so we take it really seriously so but if you are a follower of Jesus if you have confessed him as Lord or maybe you want to right now you say yes what you've been talking about is for me the Bible says it's really simple if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead and you will be saved. It's that simple. But as you get these elements, here's what the Bible tells us to do. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed at the cross in that upper room where he says to his disciples, one of you will betray me. And then they're in the garden and Judas betrays Jesus. Who among us has not betrayed Jesus? Where we should have stood for Jesus, we shrunk from Jesus. We've all been there. Were it not for grace, we would be Judas. And so we were given this gift of communion. And here's why. The Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink 
drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, the band's going to sing a song that's really straightforward. It's about Jesus is Lord. And as you listen to those words, I just want you to take the communion at your pace as you think about the words and you think about Jesus and you think about all that he's done for you and then all that he's called you to do and then as you think about the family of God that he's brought together here and we take this together and we proclaim the same thing together every time we take it that Jesus is Lord because he died on the cross and rose from the grave and that's our hope that no matter how dark the world is there is hope. And so as we do that, uh, you can just remain seated. And as the band plays, you feel free to take that communion at your pace, uh, remembering that Jesus is Lord. And then the guys will give you instructions from there.